Today on Watching Your Wealth, Cheddar's John Steinberg tells us what Wall Street and the media has wrong about millennial investors. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. John Steinberg is founder and CEO of Cheddar, a new video media company that serves millennials. He was most recently the CEO of DailyMail.com North America, and he joined DailyMail.com from BuzzFeed, where he was president and chief operating officer. Welcome, John, and congrats on Cheddar. Oh, thank you. It's great to be on your podcast. Oh, thanks. We're excited to have you. So, John, (laughs) I want to say that there's this perception about millennials out there that they're not interested in stocks or markets, and you say that's wrong. Tell us why. I think that millennials are deeply interested in science and technology and what I call the most interesting stuff uh, in the world, which is rockets landing on their tails on drone boats, (laughs) self-driving cars, hyperloops, uh, (laughs) virtual reality goggles from Facebook. I mean, it is sports stars um, and astronauts all rolled into one. And you know, when I when I've been at when I was on CNBC and we you know we discussed that stuff on Squawk Alley, it always drew impressive uh, ratings in the demo. And we're finding the same thing at Cheddar that um, you know you talk about Facebook, Google, Netflix, Airbnb, people are interested. You talk about the Brexit or interest rates, and people fall asleep. Right. So we should just talk about Facebook the whole day or something like that. No, no I get I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, because you know it's cool, it's techy, and it's fresh and young. Like so many the uh, the young people today, they they want something they can relate to. So I totally get that. I, I and, I, and look, and I, and I don't think it's pandering. I mean, I think that it's the most inspiring and exciting stuff that's going on in our economy and our world. It's where many of these young people will hopefully make careers and you know why would that why would they not want to invest in that growth um, as opposed to you know industrials or steel right it just it just makes common sense that this would be where people would would be intellectually curious and financially curious it does and you know we're always telling people you know invest in what you understand invest in something that you're passionate about and you're going to take the time to delve into their financials because you're excited to learn how a company works and i think that speaks to what you just said now i want to sort of delve a little bit more into why you think millennials are so interested in innovators you know is it because many of them want their own business well no i think that it's more that uh technology um, and especially kind of internet and web-based technology is culture and I think that, that young people spend an enormous amount of their days using these tools and services, and the people that are inventing these products that are transforming their lives are people that they um, you know, aspire to be and look up to, and they're products and services that you know, make them dream big dreams. And um, so they want to be part of it. They want to know more about it, and there's sort of an insatiable appetite I think to, I mean, you, you know, I can't get enough of Elon Musk. My, my six-year-old can't get, can't, can't get enough. Of, I mean, how, how can you get enough of a guy that wants to, you know, put us on Mars and, and you know, is making is making rockets and, and, you know, robot cars, you know? Yep, yep. Yeah, exactly. There's something inspirational and aspirational about that indeed. Um, what else do you think is wrong with the way info is being presented? Because so much of, you know, my goal is to try to get younger investors interested, younger folks interested in investing and, and saving and all those good things. So what else should we be doing to, to engage? I think if you take it back to the to the products and the services and uh, how people's lives are being transformed and changed. It's very interesting. I mean, we find that people are even interested in, you know, Lululemon 
um, or or kind of you know new ways of doing sort of fast casual restaurants. And I think that's because it's it's something that's different and it's something that's changed. I mean, they don't want to go shop. Um, in large department stores. They find a product like Lululemon to be kind of changing the way people even dress with this giant athleisure wear trend. Mm -hmm. I think if you stick to the fundamentals of of business and you talk about kind of real value creation, it's interesting to young people. Remember, this is the same generation that came of age during the financial crisis. So right. they, they, they saw um, you know, these, these financial instruments um, that nobody understood that were yeah. like some kind of, of, of physics gone awry, right? <laughs> and, and so I, I think that, you know, when you put mutual fund managers and hedge fund managers and bankers and chief economists from bulge bracket banks on the screen, uh, I mean, why would anyone in their 20s and 30s want to hear from these people? These are the same people that in their mind almost blew up the whole economy. <laughs> I get that. Yeah, for sure. Now, I want to talk to millennial investors because so many of um, my peers are listening to this show. And I just want to know, you know, what do you say to folks? Because some of us are, have, like you said, survive, you know, saw our parents go through dot-com, bus, uh, you know, financial meltdown, and may feel more conservative because they feel burned by the markets. They may not trust the markets. They may want to keep more money in cash. What do you say to millennials who are feeling very risk-averse, perhaps too risk-averse? I think, you know, being in, in financial media, like I've been for so many years, you know, I, I don't hold individual stocks, right? I, I tend to think that if you're young, uh, and you've got a long-term view of things, you want to invest in um, in high-growth blue-chip companies. And, and I think that the best way to do that is through the major U.S. indexes. So I think I think young people should max out their 401ks. Um, you know, if they don't, if their company doesn't provide that, they should try to do an IRA, and they should put it into you know S&P and Nasdaq indexes. I, I think it's very hard to lose over a 10 or 20-year horizon doing that. Then I think that they should pick a few stocks and obviously, they shouldn't, you know, go crazy and, and put a ton of money or buy stuff on margin. But I, I think if they could put a, put aside a little discretionary money to buy blue chip stocks that they're interested in and, and large cap stocks that they think are, um, you know, doing things that they find impressive, that that's you know that's healthy. I mean, an app like Robinhood. Um, which has sort of taken this this age cohort by storm mm -hmm. um, is a great mobile way for them to buy you know a few shares or whatever they can afford. Great tip. I just want to counter something you said for a second because you said to max out your four hundred one k. Now a lot of our listeners are really saddled by student debt and may say, you know what, I don't want to invest or I don't feel like I can invest in my four hundred one k or just be an investor at all in any way until I get my student loans paid off. What do you say to those folks? Well, of course. I mean, of course. If they have student loan debt, if you've got debt obligations, you know, I, I completely understand that. I mean, I had, I had business school debt, so I know what it's like to be in that situation. But I think that to the extent that you can um, you know, be debt-free and live on your cash, and at the same time, especially if your company has a matching 401k program, between the tax benefits of the 401k and the money that your employer is giving you, it's free money. And so many young people, look, I mean, I, from the time from when I, I did BuzzFeed, I mean, I've, I've had lots of employees that are in those early mm -hmm. post undergraduate years. And, you know, I always used to joke, you know, you offer employees a perk of like free sodas or, or 401k and, uh, you know, people choose free sodas. It's <laughs> kind of sad. I think part of it is that people don't really go through or companies don't really go through the exercise um, of explaining the massive tax benefits that a 401k carries with it. And you look, I've got two little kids. I'm learning now about the massive tax benefits um, of the college saving program, mm -hmm. the fact that you can transfer them between children. So I think that, you know, you really just have to be 
um, aware of, of you know tax policy. Part of the problem is the tax code in this country is is insane, right? Mm-hmm. But you really you really have to learn. Um, the most efficient ways to minimize your tax consequences. Indeed. And, you know, and just to sort of piggyback on that, if you have student loans, yes, you want to work towards paying those off. Absolutely. But if your company does offer that match in that 401k, if there is a way you can find at least enough money to take out of your paycheck to contribute to the 401k so you get that company match. It may seem like a, a little bit now, but down the road, um, when you're you know 40s, 50s, that money is going to really add up. So that's something for I mean, uh, folks yeah. To the other one I would point out that I've always found, you know, I come from, you know, my dad is a real estate broker, my mother was a real estate broker. The other thing is when you reach a certain point um, where, and again, you don't want people to get into like speculative Las Vegas super jumbo <laughs> mortgage situations, right? But mortgage interest is tax deductible. Up to you know what is it a million dollars is the threshold basically. Um, if you're throwing away money renting, and you feel like you've identified a property where you want to live, and you can take on a long-term amortizing mortgage where you can manage the payment, and you've done that analysis, uh, mortgage interest is tax deductible. So that that's you know renting really is throwing away money. If you feel that you can afford a property at some point, right? You got to crunch the numbers. Indeed, uh, this is all great insights, John. I would love for you to stick around and take our fun financial quiz. Are you willing to do that? Of course. Great. Thanks. You stick around too. Hi, this is Jason Gay, sports writer at the Wall Street Journal, and I have a podcast called Free for All. And guess what? It's not just sports. We'll also talk about some real estate, some music, some culture, some fashion. I could talk about fashion. It's the Free for All. Become a subscriber on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts and check us out at WSJ.com slash podcasts. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Watching Your Wealth. Now it's time for Cheddar's John Steinberg to take our fun financial quiz. John, you ready? I am ready. I got the buzzer standing by. <laughs> All right. So, best financial advice you ever received? I think to buy property. Mm, worse. I, th- I think to buy huh? property. Sure. I was renting for years and years and years, yeah. and I crunched the numbers and got an affordable mortgage. Um, and especially in New York City, I, I mean, over a long period of time, over 10 or 15 years, it's basically hard. It's been hard to lose money on New York City real estate. So buying real estate. Smart move. Worst financial advice you ever heard? Oh, my God. I made uh, illiquid. I made, I made some illiquid.com investments hmm. uh, in startups when I was very young during the bubble. And I was told by the – I mean, there, there was nothing – crooked about it. They were just they just went to zero, yeah. right? And uh, everyone said, oh my God, this thing is a sure thing and these guys are so great who are doing it uh, and lost some money on that. And I, I think I learned the lesson of illiquid investing, investing in things that you cannot sell when you want to sell. Mm. Um, I, I wish I had not gotten the advice of investing in those things. Great point. Fill in the blank. Money can buy? Um, money can buy Freedom to, to dream about more important things than money. Love that. Money can't buy. Oh, you know, you, wonderful time with your kids. Oh, you're a good dad. Now, if you won a million dollars after tax, what would you do with it? I would invest it in Cheddar's next round. I would buy my own stock. I love it. That's a good sign. So a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us, John. Absolute pleasure. Same here. And this has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of The Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.